Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. We're going to look at a period of biblical history this morning, and it's called the Intertestamental Period. And it's between the ending of the Old Covenant and the beginning of the New Covenant. And in this gap between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, God is silent for over 400 years. Can you imagine? See, some of us, were like, God, where are you? He talks. Two weeks go by. Oh, my God, where are you? You know? And can you imagine a period of time for 400 years, God doesn't say anything. Nothing's necessarily wrong, but there's no new books being written. There's no prophets prophesying. There's no kings with new commands. God is silent. He's not saying anything at all. In fact, the last man that we really hear from is Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, I, I love the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a servant. He's a slave to King Artaxerxes, who's the Persian king. And he's the cupbearer to the king. And one day his brothers come back from, from Jerusalem. And he says, hey, how's everybody doing? How's, how's the fam, right? How's the homeland? And they're like, man, everybody's doing bad. Like the, like the gates are destroyed. The temple's destroyed. People are in disarray. And it moves him so much, he starts crying and he starts praying like, God, you know, we, man, we sinned, we messed up, and, but man, I want to make it right. And, and, just, and he's, he's really, really moved. And there was a law in, in the Persian court that you could not be sad in the king's presence. In fact, if you were sad at all, it was like off with your head. Like the, the king's court was supposed to be like this jubilant, heaven-like place. And if you were sad at all, it, it, was, it was over. You know, like, listen, we want a positive culture in our church, but could you imagine if I was like, if you're sad, one day leader, off the church. Like, it's a little extreme, right? Can you imagine, like, off with your head if you're sad? No bad days in the king's court at all, right? Or it was your life. And so one day, Nehemiah, he's before the king, he's bringing the king's wine, and he's sad. He's thinking about Jerusalem and the people and the temple and everything, and he's sad. And the king says, hey, why are you sad? The Bible actually says in that moment, Nehemiah is terrified, right? Like, he's terrified. And he's like, because he knows, dude, I'm going to die. Like, here I am, sad for God's people. I'm going to die. And then he, and he shouts out in this bold moment. He says, King, how can I not be sad when my people are here? You know, I'm destroyed. It's like he just gets bold. He knows his life is over, so he's just going to go for it. In a moment of miraculous favor, he goes from almost losing his life to asking the king for every single resource he needs to fulfill his God-given vision and promise. And the king gives him everything he needs, the money, the security, the resources to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls. In fact, if you read, I love the story of Nehemiah. Some of you should go home and just read it today. But he goes home and, and he even says to the king, he says, hey, could you even give me the resources for me to build my own house while I do this? Which to me is so cool. If you embrace the mission of God, God will even take care of your own house and your own life. Come on, if you take care of God's house, he'll take care of your house. God will just get your back like that. And so, and so it's just this beautiful story. He leads three different trips, and I think it's about 445 B.C. He leads the last wave of Israelites back to Israel. And for the first time since Moses established the law, the, the, the children of Israel never go back to idol worship. Now they're serving God. There's no more idol worship. They're finally following God after all these centuries. And everything looks really, really good, but God doesn't say anything. In fact, everything is pretty good for about 100 years. And then all of a sudden, a young man named Alexander the Great shows up, and the Greeks overthrow the Persians. And the Jewish people, they go from one conqueror to another conqueror. 
right? And at first, everything's like, okay, you know, it, it's okay. They're, they're being nice to us, you know. And then a few years in, man, all of a sudden, a lot of persecution happens, right? The, the Greeks are polytheistic. They believe in a lot of gods. And here you have the Jewish people. They believe in one God. And they want to make idols. And they're like, no, you can't make an idol of our God. He's unseen. He's too mysterious. He's too vast. You can't do it. And so now persecution starts. God doesn't say anything. Isn't it frustrating when you're going through something and God doesn't say anything at all? Like, don't you just feel so left alone? And God doesn't say anything. In fact, persecution gets worse. Their rabbis are getting killed. In fact, the temple gets desecrated, right? They do these terrible things to desecrate the temple and they can't worship anymore and can't practice anymore. And God doesn't say anything. And then more time goes by and then the Greeks get overtaken by the Romans, Another oppressive ruler, right, about 60, 60 B.C., and God doesn't say anything again. In fact, God doesn't say anything for over 400 years until God says this. This is in Luke chapter 1. And God's talking to a terrified teenage girl. Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son. And you're to call him Jesus. He's going to be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Watch this. God's greatest revelation came after his longest silence. God's greatest gift to mankind came after his longest pause to mankind. You see, God was silent, but he wasn't absent. And could it be this morning that God's getting ready to work his greatest work in your life after the longest season of silence? Come on, when it hurt, when it didn't make sense, when, when you were wronged and it didn't get made right right away, when you were slandered or when you were fired or when you were just left alone and it doesn't add up, could it be that God's getting ready to work his greatest thing in your life after a season of confusion and silence? Can you guys just give God a little clap this morning and wake up? Because I feel like I'm teaching a little bit better than we're reacting right now. And that's okay. I love you. You're cute. Heaven was quiet, but heaven was preparing. I want to remind us this morning that hope isn't based in an experience or a circumstance. It's based in a person, and his name is Jesus. In fact, I would tell you, don't put your hope in a circumstance because it may not work out. God might have something better. And don't put your hope in a person. They could let you down. But if you put your hope in Jesus, you'll never be ashamed. In fact, for us as believers, hope isn't an emotion. It's theology. Hope isn't based in wishing. It's based in God's word. Let me read Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The NLT, I like it. It says, I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. That Greek word hope is elpis, and it means this, an expectation of good, a joyful and confident expectation. Listen, in a world of constant negativity, isn't it hard to keep your hope up? Can I just get, just anybody else agree with me? Like, it's really hard to remain hope-filled in all the things that we go through and all the negativity that we face. In fact, there's constant distractions to hope. A couple of weeks ago, we went to, actually, I think it was just a week ago, we went to the dermatologist, okay? 
I had to get some of my moles looked at. These are just white people problems, okay? And so, and so I had to get some of my moles looked at. My daughter's got a couple of things we had to look at for her. And so we're at the dermatologist, and they're, they're looking at us. And so we're in the waiting room. And there is nothing worse for a little child than a doctor's waiting room, right? There's, like, nothing to do. They're bored. And so my daughter is, like, trying to just keep the energy going and keep it fun. And she's trying to teach my little son, Zeeland, how to play paper, rock, scissors, Right? And so she's trying to teach him this new game. She's trying to get him to play right. And he keeps getting distracted with other things in the room. In fact, we're going to take a moment. I want to just show you this really quick. Take a minute and watch this video here of my son in distraction. Come on, if some of us are honest this morning, we have the spiritual attention span of a two-year-old, right? And, and my daughter's like, come back here. I'm trying to teach you how to play this game. And he's just looking around, and he's just, you know, he's just going for it and hamming it up. And, and she's like, come back, come back, come back. I, I can just imagine the Holy Spirit in some of our lives right now, like saying, hey, come back to hope. Don't look at that circumstance. Come back to hope. Stop focusing on your relationship that way. Come back to hope. Don't look at your income. Come back to hope. Don't worry about the people that rejected you. Come back to hope. This morning, let me try to turn your attention a little bit with a few scriptures and to grab you a little bit and get your focus back on hope. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that works within us. 2 Peter 1, 4, through these things he's given us his very great and precious promises. Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and Secure. What am I saying? I'm saying God didn't rescue you so life could defeat you. Can I get an amen? There is a reason to have hope. The Bible says hope is our anchor. doesn't mean we're not going to go through anything, but you and I have an anchor. We can attach our souls to it. A few years ago, me and some buddies, we went uh, diving, and, and I really enjoy going out on the boat, going out into the reef, but every now and then we'll mix it up, and we'll do what they call a beach dive. 
And a beach dive is very, very interesting. It's totally different. You literally, like, get all your gear on the edge of the ocean, and you try to gear up on the sand, which is really, really challenging because you're already sweating. You're trying to put your wetsuit on. You're hot. You're sticky. It's, it's really a struggle. And then you got to walk out into the surf and put your BC on. Got to put your fins on. You got to try to sit down in the ocean and do this while the waves are coming. It's not the most enjoyable experience, but it's kind of fun. I will say this when you come back out of the ocean, you are terrifying beach bathers everywhere, right? Like you got people waiting in the water and you're like, <laughs> I mean, you come up like, you look like a Navy SEAL. Like it's just the coolest thing ever. People are terrified, right? And we on purpose try to come up like really close to people just to scare them extra. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird like that. And so, and so anyway, so we're out in this, in this beach dive, and, and we go out, and, and we're looking in coral, and there's squids. and It was a great day. It was a great dive, trying, trying to carry and, and catch different, like, urchins. It was super fun. And so we're out there diving, and in our minds, we think, you know, we had, like, we put all of our stuff by a hotel, and, and we, that was, like, our landmarker. And in our minds, we're like, okay, we think we've gone this way. And then we've come back a certain amount of time this way. So we should be like right about here. We should be about where we, we started from, right? We, we swam down. We swam back. We, we should be good, right? And so we said, so let's just surface to see where we are. And in our minds, we think we're like pretty much parallel to our landmarker. Well, listen, man, we get up and we had drifted like a half a mile to a quarter mile away. And I get up and I look out and I'm like, Whoa, we're like not even close. And now I'm like looking way down the skyline, and I'm like, whoa, there's our hotel all the way down there. What did we forget about that day? We forgot about the current. We forgot about the current. You know, and it's interesting because it wasn't like an extra stormy day. It, it wasn't like this extra like crazy waves and crazy wind. It was just the normal current of the ocean pulling us away, and we miscalculated how much more energy we needed to expel to get there. We actually had to snorkel our way back. We, we ran out of air, so we had to snorkel our way back to the beach. Can, can I remind some of us this morning, it's not the storms, guys, that I see that really take Christians out. It's the day-to-day -day current of life. It's waking up every morning at 645 and going to a job you really don't like, dealing with difficult coworkers, Right? They're always gossiping and always talking bad, putting up with your boss, coming home to kids that are crying, making the same old mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. And, and, and before long, the current of life begins to erode the hope that God put on the inside of you. And if we don't have an anchor, what happens to us is we start drifting into bitterness. We start drifting into disappointment. We start drifting into disillusionment, right? We start drifting into confusion, and before long, we drift ourselves out of hope. I want to remind us of the story of Joseph this morning. Could you imagine how easy it would have been for Joseph to let the current of life take him away from all of his hope? Right? He, he grows up in a family. Everything looks like it's off to a great start. He gets this great vision from God. Yay, everybody's going to love me. Not. Right? Betrayed by his family. Sold into slavery. Right? Falsely accused. Now he's not just a slave, now he's in prison. His life takes another step back, right? And then in prison, he gives two different people visions and dreams, and then he's forgotten about, left in prison, which seems like he's rotting for the rest of his life. Could you imagine how easy it would have been to have been Joseph and slip into bitterness? But somehow he didn't do that. He let the faith 
and the hope remain in his heart. And there was a day, guys, he was three hours from the palace, and he didn't know it. Come on, doesn't it get you excited? There was a day he was 30 minutes from the palace, and he didn't know. There was a day he was three minutes from the palace, and he didn't know God was about ready to turn everything on its head. Come on, guys, we serve a mountain-moving God. God can take you from the prison to the palace in three hours, and you have no idea it's coming. Maybe you've been single for four years, and you're like, I ain't meeting nobody in South Florida. And the right person could come walking into your life on a good hair day. Come on, somebody. Like, it could happen. Right? Like, maybe, maybe you just haven't had a job in a while. And, like, you don't know. All of a sudden, boom, it, it could happen. You know, I, I asked Dan his permission to use this story. And so he's actually not feeling well today. Otherwise, he was going to be here today. Uh, but I asked his permission to use his story in, in August uh, he, got, he was already going through a bad week. He was having some family stuff, already going through a bad week. He had called me to just say, like, hey, I'm not feeling well. I'm going through family stuff. Already things are going on. And then he gets a notice the next day that he's fired. In fact, his company let, like, about a third of the people go, and he was part of that, and he got let go. This happened back in August. So he gets let go of, right? And, and, and he's already having a bad week. And, and sometimes, isn't it true, like, when it rains, it pours? And it's just, he's just going through it now. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, you know, and, and he's going through it. And so he's hurt. He's bitter. He's frustrated. He feels like he got overlooked, you know, and all those feelings we feel when we get fired and we didn't see it coming. And so that he gets let go. He gets fired. And, and now he's looking. He's like, I'm going to take a couple weeks. I'm gonna, he loves to fish. He's like, I'm going to do some fishing. I'm going to relax a little bit. Then I'm going to start looking for a job. Well, he's looking for a job. Nothing seems to open up. Nothing seems to open up. Every now and then I'm checking in with him. I'm like, hey, bud, I'm just praying for you. I'm just hanging in there with you. God can turn it around, you know. And just all those, like, pastoral things that pastors are supposed to say, right? And when pastors are talking, sometimes I'm like, man, I really hope God you do something here because I'm going to sound like an idiot if you don't, like, show up for him. Because here I'm trying to encourage him. And he could be, man, I don't know, maybe he's not going to have a job for 20 years. But I'm going to believe like it's going to happen next week. And so I'm just texting him and encouraging him and doing all those pastoral things and and so he's going on, he finally gets a couple interviews, they go kind of well, but nothing really seems to work out, and, you know, he gets a couple more, and nothing really seems to work out, and I'm like, hey, man, just, just keep hanging in there, buddy, it's going to be all right, and, you know, and, and so he's going along, and then literally two weeks ago, guys, two weeks ago, his old job calls him back, and they said, we'd like to bring you back in, and he goes, what, right, like, and so he comes in. The first thing they say is, we are so sorry we fired you. We had no idea how much you actually did here. Come on, somebody. Is this starting to sound like favor right now to you? They apologize to him. First thing they did, they bring him back. We apologize. Well, Dan now has a few cards, right? And so Dan is like, that's right. I do do a lot around here, right? Like, and, 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 it just, and so he says, well, actually, you know, I want to go back to get more schooling. And so if, if you hire me again... I, I would like you to pay for my schooling so I can get all this schooling taken care of. And he says, and I need more money. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, if he, they call you back, you know you're asking for a raise, like, right out of the gate. And, and, the, and the boss goes, why should I give you more money? And Dan says, well, you called me, so if you want me, this is what it's going to be. And Dan, you know, I, I love Dan so much. He, he smokes a little bit every now and then, which, which I love that. Smoking won't send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there, okay? That's my stance on smoking, okay? So I'm trying to help him get out of that because it's healthier. That's it, okay? And so he goes out for a smoke break. And how real is this story, right? Come on. Like, he goes out for a smoke break, comes back in. 
They give him the paperwork. They give him the raise. They said, we're going to take care of your schooling, right? They give him all the paperwork right there to sign. And they're taking care of the hotel, the flights, and all the transportation while he goes to the place to get all the extra schooling. Woo! Come on. Everything ended way better than he even was in August. And I said, Dan, I talked to him last night. I said, Dan, do you ever wonder if God just let you get fired just so you could get a raise? See, isn't it interesting? Sometimes God lets us go through things, and we're like, God, I don't understand why you're letting me go through this thing. I don't understand why it's got to be so difficult, why I had to get rejected, why I have to get fired, why I had to get left. Could it be that God might be silent, but he's not absent in your life? Could it be that while he's not talking, he's working? Could it be that while heaven isn't pronouncing anything, they're preparing something? Oh, come on. I'm like, I'm more excited about this than you are today. Could God be working behind the scenes in your life right now? You know, I don't know what looks impossible to you right now. Can you imagine Abraham, right? I mean, he's like 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. They've been trying to have a kid for 25 years. That's a long time to try to hope for something. I don't know what you're hoping for, Dad. Maybe you're hoping for your career to get better. Maybe you're wanting your marriage to get better. Maybe it's a relationship with a child you want to get better. 25 years is a long time to have hope. And yet somehow the Bible says that Abraham did not grow weak in his faith, but he grew in hope as time went on. How is that possible? That tells me that he wasn't looking at the natural. He was looking at God. He was looking at the promise. I don't know what promises God spoke to you about, and I don't know what it might look like today. But listen, if God gave you a promise, hold on to that baby. And don't let anybody talk you out of that promise, even if it's your pastor, even if it's your own mind. Come on, somebody. Hold on to the baby that God's trying to give you. Yes, life is discouraging. Yes, people are crazy, you know. But that doesn't mean God's promise still can't come to pass because God's promise isn't based on a person. His promise isn't based on a circumstance. His promise is based in his power. And God is confident in his ability to bring to pass what he said he would do in your life. Could you just give Jesus some praise like one more time this morning? Just because he's so good. Listen, here's here's what I want to kind of wind down with this morning. Floyd Mayweather Jr., he's a super fun boxer to watch. Pound for pound, he's been called the best boxer of all time. Okay? And I got got an image of him right here. He's fought 50 fights. He has won 50 fights. 27 by KO, knockouts, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal boxer. Can I remind someone this morning that Jesus has a perfect record? He has never let anybody down, and he does not intend to ruin his record with you. In fact, Floyd tweeted, he said, there's two things perfect in this life, God and my boxing record. This man does not want his record ruined. He believes in his ability when he gets in the ring. He knows he's a good boxer and he don't want to mess up his record. Jesus knows how much power he has and he doesn't want to mess up his record with you. Come on, guys. Jesus has never let anybody down and he does not intend to start with your life. And I don't know what he said to you. I don't know what he's trying to bring across the table for you. But he's got the KO power to bring it to pass this morning. 
And I think for so many of us, instead of you trying to do it all in your flesh, think through it all in your mind, try to get it done with your little ability and power, why not kick back in faith and hope and just say, God, listen, if you don't want it for me, I don't want it for myself. But if you have said it, then no devil in hell can stop it. No mistake is going to change it. My history doesn't determine my future. Come on, somebody. My mistakes don't mess up my mission. There's something that you can do that only you can do to bring this thing to pass in my life. And so I'm going to hold the baby, and I'm going to have hope even if it takes five years. Even if it takes ten years. It might take ten months. I don't know. For Dan, it was a few months. And he got back everything that he lost. The Bible says in Zechariah, it says that if we become a prisoner of hope, that God will give us double for everything we've gone through. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but I just believe if you're a prisoner of hope this morning, if you tie yourself to the anchor of hope and just say, like, I'm tying this anchor around me. And if the ship goes down, so be it. But I am tying myself to this anchor that God is going to show up and move for you. And he can do for you what you think is so impossible this morning. We can make it happen. Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or are ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at City Lift Church.